Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Welcome in. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and we are thrilled to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. <laughs> Cam Clutter, as always, is our barista. And our friends, Bill Hanger and Mike Lamorte, Lamort? Lamort, will be joining us in the cafe today to, to, to chat about praying for the souls in purgatory. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Amanda. Happy feast day. Happy feast day. What St. Gertrude. St. Gertrude, that's right. The great. The great. Do you know why she's great? Yeah, let's talk about that after the prayer. <laughs> yeah, let's pray. All right. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning, Father. Uh, thank you for this day. Thank you for arranging this appointment with uh, with Bill and Mike uh, to talk about uh, just how much you love your people, all of us uh, here on earth, uh, the souls in purgatory, those that have, uh, are gazing on you right now. Uh, what a mystery, Father, that uh, we're just so so thrilled to be a part of, uh, to know your, your love so intimately and help us today, uh, to shine, uh, to shine your glory on others that they too may come and fall more deeply in love with you in a special way this morning. Let's pray for those souls in purgatory. We'll pause for a second. Remember our departed loved ones that, uh, that they may see your face. Father, we bring this prayer to you in the name of your Son, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and pray especially for the intercession of our Blessed Mother. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. The Great. Yeah. Why is she great, I'm in Amanda? Spence. I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to tell us. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She was one of the great mystics of the 13th century, oh. a Benedictine nun. Okay. Yeah. And as we'll probably unwrap here in the next hour, had a real uh, uh, devotion uh, and uh, love for those uh, for those souls in purgatory. Yeah. Okay. Great. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. As am I. <laughs> Did you have a chance to lexio at all this morning over today's readings? Um, a little bit. Was there anything that stuck out to you? I love Psalm 119. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. The response is, "Your word is forever, Lord." Mm-hmm. Your word, O Lord, endures forever. It is firm as the heavens. Through all generations, all generations, your truth endures. You have established the earth and it stands firm. According to your ordinances, they shall stand firm. All things serve you. So what jumped out uh, in that is all through all generations, mm. uh, your truth endures. And I think that's uh, especially pertinent to to this discussion that you know all generations are are alive right and the we'll talk about this also the body of christ and uh and its uh body parts um you know are still are still breathing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. yeah what jumped out to me is all things serve you and then further down it says let my soul live to praise you and may your ordinances help me um 
And so the two things that stood out to me, all things serve you. Just, yeah, that the beauty that our Lord is the creator. Mm. And you think about how the most beautiful that thing that you've ever seen in creation, you know, the mountains, the majesty, the ocean, the greatness, and you know, a love of a mother, the beauty of a family, and God who made everything dwells within us. And our, yeah, our conversation yesterday, right? I mean, just about uh, having the, those opportunities, making those opportunities for meditation and contemplation uh, right. that we had with uh, uh, Shane and uh, Brother Michael yesterday. It, it, that, that activity, that action that we need to make mm-hmm. um, to have that time with mm-hmm. the Lord and then to rest and to be quiet and let the Lord speak to us because he always has something to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, what, like I said, what stood out to me is let my soul live to praise you, Lord. And kind of like you were sharing just now that like we, we need to make that time and that activity to have that relationship with our Lord. And I'm just stuck, struck by, yeah, I need to praise him more. Mm. Yeah. To give thanks, to give him honor and glory and, yeah, that's a particular type of prayer, I think. Praise. So, yeah. <laughs> and we invite our friends That'd every weekday morning from 8 until 9 to, to share in that praise and right. to uh, to start the day uh, thinking of uh, first things first, right? That's right. So, amen. <laughs> Alleluia. So, here in the cafe with us this morning, our friends Bill Hinger. And Mike Lamorte. Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Morning, man. So sorry I said Lamorte. Oh, that's fine. So I, sorry. I, I I've been working on my Spanish, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like some of my friends, they actually call me Lamorte as kind of a little nickname. Okay, <laughs> okay. So I was just calling you by your nickname, <laughs> yes, really. exactly. <laughs> uh, what's the uh, derivation? Uh, it's Italian. Italian, yeah. okay. And in Italian, it means? The death. The death. Hmm. See, I was just All right. saying your name in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> or French or Latin or the other you yeah. know, romantic languages. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Uh, born and raised Catholic. Uh, you're yes. a parishioner at St. Michael's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Born I, and raised Catholic. Born and raised Catholic. And um, yeah, it's like, uh, that's where I met uh, you know, Bill Hanger here. And it's like we were uh, in the Knights of Columbus, uh, you know, together and doing lots of stuff together. And, um, and that's how this whole thing got started. <laughs> Are you from Columbus? No, originally from Pittsburgh. Okay. And I uh, came here to Say something to... in Pittsburgh. Yens. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> or Koch or Red Up or... <laughs> I hadn't heard Koch before. <clears throat> What's that? The place you sit on to watch TV. Oh, okay. <laughs> so fun. And, and, and you, you watch your Stillers on... Uh, and, stillers? On, uh, watch the Stillers and drink an Iron City beer. There you go. <laughs> When, when did you move to Columbus? I came here in 1992 to go to the Ohio State University mm-hmm. and um, been here ever since. Awesome. Bill, tell us about yourself. Well, I grew up in a little town west of here called Piqua, Ohio, right on I-75 north of Dayton and uh, came to Columbus for work and uh, got a job with Huntington Banks, worked there for 33 years, and I've been retired for almost one year. Wow. And congratulations are in order. Yes, we have uh, our first and new grandchild born on Halloween. All healthy and happy. Yes. Nice. 
and they're out in Denver. Out in Denver, Colorado. Oh, praise God. Congratulations. Thank you. So we're talking about the holy souls in purgatory. And I think the catechism probably has something to say about purgatory. Yeah, Am I right? Yeah, of course it does. <laughs> in catechism 1030, it says, all who die in God's grace and friendship but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. But after death, they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. The church gives the name purgatory to this final purification of the elect, which is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. The church formulated her doctrine of faith on purgatory, especially at the councils of Florence and Trent. The tradition of the church, by reference of certain texts of scripture, speak of a cleansing fire. Mm. So, it's not a third destination. That's correct. It's uh, kind of the place where you, you get ready to enter the wedding feast. You're, you're not ready yet, but, um, but you will be. So you've already been, been saved. Your salvation is insured, but you have a little bit of uh, restitution to pay. Mm-hmm. And so it's either pay now in this life or pay later. But you know, as, as it says, um, you know, it's like you every cent we pay to the last farthing, depending upon your, your translation. Last farthing, last cent. <laughs> I don't have any farthings. <laughs> I'm fresh out. As a child, did you see? I, I, I'm a convert, so purgatory didn't show up um, at all, you know, in, in our worship. And I hadn't discovered C.S. Lewis at that point, which he has so much to say actually about purgatory, and mm-hmm. we can talk about that more. But did you have that sense of uh, the church suffering? the holy souls in purgatory as a child? Um, yes and no. I mean, it was just something that was talked about, and it just was. Mm-hmm. You know, that it was just, you know, that's the way things are, and I didn't, didn't really think any extra about it until later in my life. Mm-hmm. I would say most cradle Catholics, uh, I may be wrong, but uh, as they grew up, they were reminded, most especially by their mother, if there was any chore or... Uh, work to be done or any trial that must be endured, mom would always say, offer it up for the poor souls in purgatory. That's beautiful. And so we did. We didn't necessarily know why, but that was the response when we would complain or, uh, you know, try and get out of something that was (laughs) not pleasant to do Mm -hmm. around the house or or whatever maybe schoolwork it it could be anything but uh mom was always quick with that response and it 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 sunk in it sunk deep yeah see that we we mourned the dead um we would remember them you know especially you know at holidays is a time when you think a lot about family members that are no longer with you and um but we never prayed for them and, and it comes back to that whole reality of uh the church triumphant the church suffering and the church militant that that all these hearts are still beating so to speak and 
if that if that is true, then prayers all around, right? I mean, the the church triumphant is is praying and interceding on our behalf. We're able to pray and intercede on behalf of the church suffering, and and, and that's just I mean that's a beautiful reality. Yeah. Dave, prior to your conversion, was there any belief in purgatory or that was just not a part of your faith practice? No, no, it didn't show up at all. Okay. And actually, but but the, that was never a problem, actually. It, coming into the church when going through our CIA, it just, yeah, I mean, this really makes sense. And that's even before I had heard of Maccabees. Okay, yeah. so, it wasn't, so it wasn't surprising to you? I um No, it, it wasn't, well... Surprising to the extent that I hadn't heard it before, sure. But it was in no way a hurdle. Um, I mean, it just—I mean, what a beautiful, um, uh, beautiful reality that we can share uh, in all the departed souls. You know, all those people throughout history. You know, the entire Orsborn family tree. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I can I can be interceding for. Right, it's true. We often think about the saints, but we don't often think about the souls in purgatory. At least I know for myself, mm-hmm. I I typically find myself praying for the intercession of the saints. But yeah, I do need to be better at reminding myself that the body of Christ is much larger. I mean, did you think about it as a young Catholic child? Um, no. Or was it like uh, what Bill's experience were when you were, you know? griping about something that offer it up no offer it up amanda um yeah i don't honestly i don't think i really thought much about it like i always knew it was like oh it's something that we believe Mm -hmm. but i don't think i really thought much about it maybe until i got into some of my theology classes at franciscan and started to hear things like they can't merit so it's actually our duty to pray for them. Mm. And then just kind of the realization of, oh, wow, there are, there are people, there are souls that maybe people have completely forgotten about or don't have anyone to pray for them. And yet that's really a responsibility that I have. So I remember that being uh, maybe more of a, a light bulb going out in terms of purgatory yeah. going off. Yeah. When did it become more real for you, Mike? Um, it became the most real when my wife and I were on our second honeymoon over in Italy in uh, 2006, and we're in a small town on the coast called Monterosso. It's in it's just south of Genoa, and we, you know, it's like pretty much every town you go in Italy. I mean, you can't spit without you know running into a church, right? And the uh, and so we go into this St. John the Baptist you know, church, and it was very gothic, black and white. And we come out, and like off to the side, there's this small little place, it looks very similar architecturally. And above the door, there's a skull and crossbones, and it says, Mortis et rationis confraternitas. Now, I didn't know any Latin, and despite the fact that I'm Italian and you know, grew up Italian, um. Didn't really know any Italian, so I had no idea what it meant. But it said Mortis, and my last name's Lamort, so I'm like interestly, you know, interested right out of the, the gate, right? And so we walk in, and it's beautiful, and it's you know got these um, all sorts of great architectural stuff, um, obviously built you know 
15, 1600s. Mm. Um, these uh, beautiful uh, blues, golds, uh, and kind of terracotta pinks. And then you look a bit closer, and there are these skeletons and skulls. Like, like all over the church? Yes. Wow. Like all <laughs> over the church. And like just, you know, carved into the walls and sitting up on, you know, different spots and everything. Like, what the heck is this place? There's no pews. It's really, you know, very small and intimate. There's a crucifix and a tabernacle and a choir loft. But, you know, it, it's a very small place. I have no idea what it was. So there's a little macabre, I have to admit. And so I took a bunch of pictures. And, you know, obviously the Internet in 2006 is not the Internet of today. So it didn't have as much information back then. And so it's like I looked it up, but didn't really find anything. And then sometime later, I, I found, you know, a, you know, a picture or something and said, oh, yeah, let me look this up now in like 2014 or 15, something like that. And I found out what it was. So this place was an oratory for a group called the Confraternitas Denari, or the Black Confraternity, or Brotherhood of the Blacks, because they would wear black robes with black cinctures, and they would do works for the holy souls, as well as for widows and orphans who were poor and couldn't afford to mm-hmm. uh, to pay for burial costs and everything. And this happened um, in the 16th century when there was the plague, there was war, and there was famine. Was it? A, I'm sorry. Was it a religious order or just a, a group of? It, it was like initially a, a confraternity. It was a confraternity. Oh, okay. It originally it originally started just as a a small group of laity, but it grew into a confraternity. Okay. And so that's where they would meet and they would pray for 40 hours for everyone who died. So and so they would mm-hmm. they would bring the blessed sacrament out and there'd be 40 continuous hours of prayer in this oratory for the deceased. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. So in my research and everything on it, on this particular place, I found these prayers for the dead. And I said, oh, this is something nice to bring to my holy hour. And so it started there. My holy hour was on Tuesdays, and so every Tuesday I would go in, and as part of my holy hour, I would, you know, recite these prayers. And at the times, like St. Mike's had a uh, 7 p.m. Mass on Tuesdays. I said, okay, well, you know what, maybe let me take this up a level, and I'll, you know, go to Mass once a month on the first Tuesday and, and fast all day and, and say the prayers and everything like that. Mm. And then eventually, I, you know, Bill and I started talking about purgatory at one point and I said, hey, Bill, want to join me? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how this whole thing got started. What got started? Um, well, we, we decided to start the Central Ohio Purgatorial Society, uh, which we just received um, the uh, approval from the diocese to be recognized as a um, what is it, exactly is it called there, I, Bill? I loaded up my phone just in case it came up. <laughs> in accordance with Canon 299.3, the Central Ohio Purgatorial Society may now be recognized as a private association of the faithful. And that's mm-hmm. from Monsignor Maloney, Vicar Chair. Congratulations on thank that. You. Well, thank you. And uh, and uh, pe- listeners can uh, you know find out more at holysoulscolumbus.com. And we have everything on there as far as our first Tuesday devotion, all the various prayers, history of purgatory, Links to videos, books, um, everything you might want to find out. So this is what I find amazing about how God works in our lives. Is because when, did, what year did you say that you were in that chapel? Uh, Two thousand six. Okay, and so it wasn't until several years later that, so first he planted the seed, and then several years later 
it sparked a, oh, hey, I kind of want to know more about this. And then yep. that developed into like, oh, I should just pray. And then that developed into, I should also fast. And now it's a whole ministry, it seems. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's uh, it's exciting, and we're, we're trying to, to spread the devotion um, because, you know, they're, you know, as you guys have said, I mean, they're, they need released. I mean, they're, they're waiting to join the beatific vision and, you know, our prayers can, can help them. And while they can't merit themselves, they can help us. And right. so, and I need all the help I can get. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't, Don't we, we all? all? <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think it was, Mike, that, um, I mean, obviously, like you said, it just started with some curiosity, but, is there any way that maybe you kind of saw this coming or just something in your life that struck you like, this kind of makes sense that the Lord is calling me to this type of mission? Um, I mean, well, when you have a last name, that means the death. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You're kind of just set up for it. Yeah, yeah pretty much, right? Um, <laughs> being a doctor was not in the cards. I don't think I would have any patients. Doctor death. Yeah. yeah. Um, funeral home. A funeral home director, <laughs> but which... I mean, who knows? I mean, the way that last names came about was typically with your profession. Mm-hmm. So it's entirely possible that, you know, my ancestors, you know, were taking part of this kind of ministry. Wow. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's, it's a possibility, but you know, um, all, all I know is that, you know, it's like w- when you have a last name like this, it's very unique. And, you know, when you see a, a word that has your last name in it, it's like, well, how about that? Uh, like this past year at CYSC, it was, you know, part of the, the motto for the year was um, at mortis ad vivium, from death into life. Mm. And so I saw that, you know, on all the shirts and everything, my daughters were there and I'm like, oh, look, cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely sparked my interest just because of the last name uh, association, but I never saw this coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when Mike goes into something, he goes all in. <laughs> and uh, so when he was talking to me about it after mass one morning, I said, okay, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so he certainly carried the ball across the goal line. I was just kind of along for the ride. But uh, it was interesting because I had known Monsignor Maloney uh, when he was pastor at Immaculate Conception when we were there. And mm-hmm. so I said, well, I can take this this constitution, if you will, and uh, get that to him for review and so forth. And uh, he was more than happy to support it. He thought it was a great idea to get this thing going. So mm-hmm. He was very, very helpful and generous with his time. Oh, well, Bill, you're selling yourself a little bit short here. I mean, so I, <laughs> I, I was, you know, happy just, you know, um, doing what we were doing, and, and you're the one that, that went to Monsignor and, and sent me a, an email or a text, whatever it was, and said, like, can you type up a constitution? <laughs> Which basically amounted to me going online and finding a constitution of some other Catholic organization and doing a lot of copy-paste and editing. <laughs> Mike Lamort and Bill Hinger are with us here in the cafe, and we're talking about praying for the holy souls in purgatory. Is the confraternity that you discovered mm-hmm. in, in, in Italy, is that still in existence? No. No, and and that that's kind of the history of these different uh, societies where they they kind of rise and they fall in popularity, and for the longest time here in the states, I mean, it's like when I started doing all this research, the, I only found like two. Uh, there was one in New Orleans, and it was a um, Latin mass parish, and they offered requiem masses once a month, 
and um, and then you could like submit your you know, names of your loved ones you know, via you know the website, and then uh, they would add them to uh, to their book and and pray for them, you know, and everything. Um, I can't remember the other one was off the top of my head, but like I said, when I I first did the research, there were only two here in the states, and I mean, since then, if you look now, you just do a, you know, uh, just a general search and you can find more. Um, various parishes have them. There's nothing, I don't think, that's diocesan wide. Um, but yeah, the, the the history of it, you know, it's like the, you know, of the, the different societies and confraternities being formed. I mean, it, they have, you know, ebbed and waned, mm-hmm. um, you know, throughout the, the history. Bill, what, what struck, when, when Mike was telling you about this, what, struck you about yeah this is something i want to be a part of well uh i had started or or maybe renewed my devotion to the poor souls in purgatory through a book that i picked up at the chapel at ic titled day by day for the holy souls in purgatory written by susan tasson i believe is yeah the and purgatory lady. Yeah, and it's is, a daily... Is, actually, that's what she's referred to as. Yeah, yeah it's a daily meditation, uh, 365 days, and I just recycle through the book. I'm on my second copy of the book. I've wore the first one out. But in reading those daily meditations as I was in the chapel, it just struck me that how important it is to pray for the suffering souls uh, because they cannot merit anything for themselves. And interestingly... At the same time, uh, I, ha- I had this collection of these holy cards from folks that had dis- been deceased, mm. and they were just piling up. And so at some point in time, the Holy Spirit said, why don't you write those names down in your book? So what I did was, as a, a special devotion to individuals, I put the names and the year that they had passed away on the day of that of the year in the book. So when their, Dude, day, their that, that is amazing. feast well day done. comes up, I particularly pray for them on that day at Mass. Wow. That's Mass. a great idea. Yeah. And so it's just kind of, I mean, God's timing is, is unbelievable. And the fact that this, this constitution and the society was approved right before November and all souls day was amazing to me. And that we're here on the feast of St. Gertrude, the great, no coincidence. <laughs> None. Yeah. Is uh, St. Gertrude the patron? Do you have a patron? Uh, actually, it's St. Catherine of Genoa. Okay. Uh, tell, who, tell us about that. Uh, well, she wrote a, a treatise on purgatory. Um, and she had you know, some uh, some mystical visions and whatnot, and she wrote this full treatise on purgatory. Highly recommend you know that the listeners go out and, and check that out if they can. It's not terribly long. Uh, you can find it on New Advent and you know, some other places. Um but it, it really goes through... St. Catherine of Genoa. Yes. Okay. And uh, it goes through the, you know, the state of the suffering souls and, and why, uh, why our prayers you know, can help them in their current state. So um, it, I, I think you know, so when you read it, it's just very beautiful to you know, the way that she wrote and everything. And um, you know, so, so that, that's, that's why I decided on that. Uh, that she would be the the best patron saint for the, the society. Is Saint Catherine of Genoa? Is she the one who our Lord showed her visions of purgatory? Is that correct? Uh, one of many. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a, a long list. Um, there's also um, uh, 
Zipla said Catherine, uh, sorry, that was a Katerina Matai. She actually had a spark. She was told that she would um, have a uh, an experience that would uh, show her the uh, the pains of purgatory. And she was in ecstasy, and there was a spark that bystanders saw that hit her cheek and left a mark on her cheek. And when she came out of her ecstasy, she said it was the most intense pain that if she had taken all the pain of her entire life and put it into that one moment, that it wouldn't equal the pain of that moment. Oh. Um, and so, uh, so she had had that experience. So um, was that a spark from purgatory, or is that they just saw a spark emanate out of nowhere and hit her on the cheek? Huh. Um, and so there's also um, uh, Blessed Francesco Fabriano, Saint Christina the Astonishing, who. Um, St. Christina the Astonishing? Yes. Uh, she has an amazing There's story. more than just the greats. <laughs> the she is the Astonishing. <laughs> yes. All right. This yeah. opens up a whole new level of sainthood that we could dive into. I always thought you were astonishing. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Yeah. She, um, it's like, uh, she had a, an experience. Some people uh, said it was kind of like a, um, like an epileptic seizure kind of uh, situation, but they thought she had died. And there was like no signs of life, so they prepared, you know, a burial. And during the middle of her funeral mass, she levitated to the ceiling. And it wasn't until the the priest said, you know, come down, that she finally came back down. She said that she did actually die, and she experienced heaven, hell, and purgatory. And from that point on, she had all sorts of other mystical experiences. But she would have, you know, all these different uh, periods where she would do things like stand in fire, or icy water and, and for hours and come out unharmed. But she was doing these uh, mortifications for the holy souls. Now, I don't recommend that anybody else do these things. Uh, <laughs> it's a special grace. Because yes. we're, we're not all astonished. We're not all astonished. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, St. John Vianney, St. Mar- uh, Margaret Mariella Koch, uh, St. Bridget of Sweden, St. Augustine, uh, St. Francis of Rome. I mean, there's a long list of saints who either had devotions to the Holy Souls, or actually um, had uh, mystical experiences where they they saw, you know, the state of the Holy Souls. Mm. How are how are they typically described then? Or how is purgatory typically described? You know, every saint has a different way of describing it, hmm. which is kind of interesting. I mean, it's like some uh, have related it as a a giant icy pole, other ones um, as fire that is hot but does not burn you know the the holy soul himself because it's a, a cleansing fire that, that burns you know the the sin away as opposed to um in hell where it's actually afflicting the soul itself with pain um the, the pain that they feel in general is the the separation from god of, of knowing that they are invited to the wedding feast but they're they're having to wait Mm-hmm. So it's like we're all imperfect workers in the vineyard, right? And it's like you know, there are some days where it's hot outside. And we're like, you know, I just want to sit in the shade and drink some lemonade and let someone else do the work. So when the time comes that we have to, you know, that it is our day you know, to come out of the vineyard and say, okay, uh, Mike, you know, good, good work here, but we have to take account for those days you sat in the shade. So you're going to get into the wedding feast, but first you need to sit in the sauna and we're going to lock you in there until it's time to get out, until 
you you're you've sweated out all of the days that you should have been working you know you're, you're gonna be sitting in a sauna and then but when you come out you've sweated off all the dirt and grime and of, of your attachment to sin and everything else and they give you a clean wedding garment and you go in but for us down here we can pray and say hey master i will work a double shift today so that my mother my father my um, my spouse, my brother, my sister, aunt, uncle, godparent, whatever, can get into the wedding feast a little bit earlier. I, I have a suspicion that one of the things, one of the things that I'll be cleansed of is my impatience. <laughs> and, and, and how ironic is that? Because the suffering is because of impatience. You know, you, you can't wait yeah. to, to share, yeah. to share in God's glory. Mm-hmm. So I'm being cleansed of impatience and I'm suffering impatience. So well, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, one of the saints I can't remember which one said that you know um, the souls in purgatory need to stay there until they have uh, basically waited out the the restitution for the things that they have caused on this earth. So it's mm. like if if if, <laughs> if a, a lie that you told or something else that you did caused a ripple effect, you are stuck in purgatory until that ripple has settled down actually i think in i maybe it was saint catherine of genoa i was reading one of them who had a vision of purgatory and the example was someone a soul that she had met in purgatory and she was there because of lies and she said because they have such a ripple effect on the community it it is a great punishment and you know that i think that struck me because i I'm of the impression that not many people think that lying is, um, you know, actually a sin or something that can be really harmful. A white lie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. We kind of downplay it's just a little it quite lie. a bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, society is like, oh, it's not a big deal. Or, or we use the excuse we don't want to hurt somebody. But actually, it can have repercussions. Yeah. yeah. And one, one of the most unfortunate things that we can do, knowing that for the most part, most of us will probably spend some time being purified after we pass away from this life, is to canonize people or the deceased mm. at the funeral mass. Um, because I think most people who may have that notion that, well, Aunt Flo is in heaven, mm-hmm. well, they won't pray for Aunt Flo because she's achieved the beatific vision. So um, it, it just makes my heart ache when I hear that at a funeral that the deceased is already in heaven because we we really don't know that yeah mm-hmm. we hope that for sure but uh, I mean I I pray for a lot of people who I felt were saintly but only God knows their hearts so yeah well it's funny you mentioned that because you're talking about your mother and what she would say about purgatory well, my mother would say like after my father passed she said there's no purgatory time for your dad. He went straight to heaven, <laughs> you know, but, um, but like you said, I mean, we don't know. So I still pray for him. Just like I pray for all the other members of my family. Bill, I think that's such an important point to make actually, because there is this yes, genuine desire uh, to want to comfort those who are mourning. Mm-hmm. And that is that it's a good thing to do, of course, but, at the same time, yeah, the disservice that we do to not also speak the truth of, yeah, we should pray for this person because mm-hmm. we never know. 
yeah, I, for, I forget which saint it was, but he deliberately tried to hide all of his works, uh, writings, and so forth because he didn't want that to happen, that people would automatically canonize him mm-hmm. at his death because he he knew of his sinfulness and needed the prayers. So mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said for that. Mike Lamort and Bill Hinger are with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. Tell me more about St. Gertrude. Um, well, she was a, um, is that like her and her husband had kind of a, a an interesting marriage. I mean, it's like she kind of had to kind of pull him in. As like he, if I remember correctly, he was a bit of a gambler. <laughs> and um, they ended up, uh, it's like after she uh, prayed for his conversion, they ended up living in the hospital in Genoa and spending the rest of their lives um, you know, just working for the hospital patients and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so th- that was, uh, at the best of my, my fuzzy recollection, uh, this early in the morning, uh, before the coffee is kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, it's like her, her experience in, in the treatise, um, I mean, it was, it was very interesting. Um, she, she wrote a bunch of, uh, different parts, um, to it and, yeah, you know, so if I can read just a just a random section here, um, you know, she says, uh, like for instance, the necessity of purgatory and how terrible it is. Again, I say that on God's part, I see paradise has no gate, but whoever desires may enter. For God is all mercy and stands with open arms to admit us to His glory. But still, I see that the being of God is so pure, far more than one can imagine, that should a soul see in itself even the least speck of imperfection, it'd rather cast itself into a thousand hells, then go with that spot into the presence of the divine majesty. Therefore, seeing purgatory ordained to take away such blemishes, it plunges therein and deems it a great mercy that it can thus remove them. No tongue can express, no mind can understand how dreadful is purgatory. Its pain is like that of hell. And yet, as I have said, I see any soul with the least stain of imperfection accept it as a mercy, not thinking of it, as any moment compared with being kept from its love. It appears to me that the greatest pain the souls in purgatory endure proceeds from their being sensible of something in themselves displeasing to God, and that it has been done voluntarily against so much goodness. For, being in a state of grace, they know the truth, and how grievous is any obstacle which does not let them approach God. Mm. And and the, the whole thing, like I said, it's, it's actually very short. Um, that just screams of God's mercy, right. doesn't it? Right, and also the the state that we'll be in after we die, and after we've been given our particular judgment, to know the truth and to be wholly accepting of God's justice, to know it's like, okay, this is the person I am, the, the perfect humility of knowing this is who I am, this is what I've done in my entire life that's wrong. And out of God's justice, I have to wait. But out of his mercy, I'm still going to get in. Mm-hmm. So to, to be in that state essentially is the state of purgatory. It also sounds like the soul has a great desire to want to be rid of those imperfections so that it could be closely united with the beloved. Exactly. It's this record. Yeah. Like you said, this recognition of great humility of something in me is keeping me from my beloved and it needs to be purified. 
Right. That's why I, I love C.S. Lewis's descriptions of uh, of, of purgatory is, is more of, I think, of a mudroom. <laughs> you know, yeah. be, before you can enter the house, you have to, you know, get cleaned up. You're not right. going, and there's my mom speaking to me now, is you're tracking mud all over the house. And you would know? you come to the and, wedding feast with in rags mud? and yeah. yeah and dirty and no it, you're going to cl- be cleansed because that's appropriate right i right. mean it that's why wouldn't god expect to have everyone that's in his presence be be cleansed and be perfected and i, I it, the way cs lewis um presents that it is just there there's it doesn't lose um lose track of the destination you know you're you're right. you're entering into his presence and these are the things you have to go through in order to get to the destination and if i remember correctly he you said that you know he didn't have a problem with purgatory it seemed very natural for him mm-hmm. to to accept that yeah how how does he describe? I'm not familiar with. Yeah, it, it, it's Lewis. that that uh, that cleansing, that just okay. getting rid of all the filth and imperfections uh, from our earthly life, mm-hmm. and and being prepared to be in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, one of the things that struck me was maybe an oversimplification, but that's the way <laughs> I read it. That's that's Dave's uh, version. Well, Saint Ignatius of Loyola, and I'm paraphrasing here, but mentioned that it just made a, a uh, such an impact on me in terms of praying for the holy souls was uh, we we spend our lives on this earth suffering through trials and miseries and things that either have been uh, imposed upon us or self-inflicted and to to not take those and use those moments uh, for good mm is that when we pass from this earth, we then suffer part of our eternity again in purgatory. And so why would we, why would we voluntarily want to suffer twice? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point, Bill. How can we avoid <laughs> purgatory? You know, they, you, you hear people say, oh yeah, I'm just, as long as I get to purgatory, you know, I'll, no, I know you I'm don't ready want for that. heaven. No, yeah, <laughs> no. Shoot for heaven. Shoot for heaven. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, because that's the destination, right? right. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're aiming where you want to go. Yeah. yeah. And you, you, don't, about... you don't set the GPS when, when you want to drive to Chicago. You don't yeah. set the GPS for Indianapolis. You right. know, you, you set it for Chicago. You may have a stop in Indianapolis to go to Portillo's or something, but... <laughs> You, you you want you want to end up in Chicago. Yeah, right. making it to the airport or to the train station, and you know it's not far enough. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> well, how can we avoid is well staying in a state of grace and and everything. And but uh, more importantly, um, Saint Bonaventure said, God values more a little voluntary penance done in this life than a severe and involuntary satisfaction in the next. Mm. So, taking on these extra you know, penances and mortifications now saves us time later. I mean, realizing when we do make a mistake to make the restitution in this life, because as Bill said, you know, once you're in purgatory, you can't voluntarily make those restitutions. Mm. The judgment has already been set. 
where if we voluntarily say, okay, I messed this up, I need to make it right, and we do it now, then, you know, when it comes into our turn at the judgment seat, that is, is accounted for. So um, in addition to, like, like say, for instance, if you lie about something and then you come, because we were talking about that earlier, and then you come clean and then you make restitution here, that's one way. The other way is through indulgences, which I know has gotten a bad rap uh, because of Protestantism, but the church still believes in them and the church still issues them. And we can, we can get indulgences for ourselves as well as for the holy souls. And the easiest way, my, the way that, that I would recommend is, it's called a pardon crucifix. Um, many rosaries are made with them. And as a, it's a very ornate design. If you just do a search for pardon crucifix, um, online, you can, you can find it, a picture of it. On the reverse side, it has uh, a small imprint of the Sacred Heart, and you know, uh, one of the indulgences attached to the pardon crucifix is by devoutly kissing it, a partial indulgence is gained. That can be applied to you or to the holy souls. And so, when Bill and I recite the chapel or not the chaplet, the, uh, the litany for the holy souls, and you know, I'll say uh, the versicle, and then Bill says the response. Um, it's like as he's saying the response, I'm kissing the uh, the pardon crucifix for that particular group of people, such as, you know, um, those who have suffered disadvantages or harm through me, uh, my friends and neighbors, um, those who are least remembered, those whose release is most remote, etc. cetera. Uh, so that partial indulgence is applied to those people. But in this life, you, know, you can gain those partial indulgences yourself. And there's a long list of different ones you can, can get. Like for instance, um, on a saint's feast day, if you go to and visit the the patron saint of a church, who it's that that feast day, like St. Patrick's, if you go to St. Patrick's Church and visit there on that feast day, mm-hmm. um, go to confession, go to mass, um, and you know a partial indulgence at minimum is gained. Yeah, for the uh, we opened with the catechism chapter paragraph ten thirty. It continues into ten thirty one. The church also commends. Uh, almsgiving, indulgences, and works of penance undertaken on behalf of the dead. So that's 1031. Specifically on indulgences, I would refer friends, if you want to study up on this today, uh, paragraphs 1471 to 1473 is uh, specific to to indulgences. Let's talk uh, in the final um, 13 minutes about um, about the uh, association, mm-hmm. again, the private association that's been approved here in the Diocese of Columbus. The name of it again? Uh, Central Ohio Purgatorial Society. I'm trying to think of the acronym. COPS. Uh, there you go. <laughs> COPS. <laughs> COPS for souls. Yes. COPS for souls. Uh, how's this going to be expressed? Uh, well, again, right now, um, holysoulscolumbus.com. If uh, you want to sign up once a month, uh, get just a little reminder email that, you know, hey, tomorrow's the first Tuesday. Um, anyone can participate um, as long as you've reached the age of reason. Um, but we would uh, ultimately like to see this uh, grow at, at a, a parish level where at the, you know, the idea would be that every parish has their own group that meets on first Tuesdays for mass. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would be the the ideal trajectory for this. Uh, as of right now, um, it's 
typically mass at St. Mike's on the first Tuesdays. <laughs> uh, so if you make the, the drive to Worthington, but um, even if you're if you're traveling, why if you're, why for, why on first Tuesdays? Um, well, it just kind of fell out of the fact that you know St. Mike's used to have a 7 p.m. mass on Tuesdays. Okay, and uh, my holy hour was on Tuesdays uh, at that you know, point in time, and so I just decided, well, I'll you know, there's always a first Tuesday. And there's already a first Friday devotion, so <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and just pick first Tuesdays. So that it, okay. there's really no other reason other than that. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah, but but it would require you to get up early and attend the six thirty a.m. mass. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there's a built-in morning. Yeah. So I mean, if, if, if I I would like to have it where we would have a mass in the evenings, because um, I, I think there's just something special about fasting all day, and then breaking your fast on the bread of angels. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then, then offering that, not for yourself, but for the holy souls. Mm-hmm. Are, are you maintaining a, a, a book of the faithfully departed? I, Bill, what you're doing in, in your devotional is beautiful. Will you be accepting names of people that we want to pray for? Or are you... Um, Praying by name that, for the souls. That is uh, on the plan. So we, we haven't quite got there yet. We're still pre- largely getting our feet mm-hmm. underneath us. Because I, mean, I think that's something beautiful that we do every year in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, the parishes have have that book where you can right. register uh, right. your departed love. That's just to know that their name is written down. And remember. Because you know it is in, you know, in, in front of God. He, right. he knows their name, but for us to actually express it and, and write it down. There's something beautiful yeah. in that to me. And, you know, as I, me personally, whenever, um, you know, as I, on first Tuesdays, when I receive the Eucharist, uh, I always offer it personally, uh, for, you know, any soul who has no one else left to pray for them. Yeah. That's still in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Um, so just so that that one soul is remembered and, and that, that, that's my personal offering at, at those masses. I have a friend who does a similar thing. He said, anytime I go to Mass, I like to pray for all those souls who need just one more Mass so that they can enter heaven. And he gets really excited about this because he's like, just think about all those souls who are now praying for me to get to heaven. It's a great and prayer And then pack. all those souls that I'll see. <laughs> Ful- Fulton Sheen actually <laughs> yeah. uh, has uh, a quote, as we enter heaven, we will see them so many of them coming towards us and thanking us. We will ask who they are, and they will say, a poor soul you prayed for mm. in purgatory. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so beautiful. I mean, this is a this is a team game we're playing. That's so right. <laughs> we need to help each other. Right, and, and they're, they're praying for us, mm-hmm. for our sanctity. So, right. you know, be out of Thanksgiving. So it, it is truly, you know, a, a team game. It, it is something where you know, it's like all all three churches are the entire body of Christ, you know, militant, penitent, and triumphant, mm-hmm. all you know together, cheering each other on. Mm. Yeah, and if that's not enough incentive, right? That not only do you have several souls praying for you to get to heaven, but also that triumphant reunion in heaven. I'm all the souls that you helped release from purgatory. Yeah. Come on, that's just that's yeah. just pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, from a practical perspective too, one of the things I push whenever I'm talking about this devotion to people 
is uh, to learn uh, the prayer of St. Gertrude mm. um, and then pray that prayer during the consecration of the Mass, mm. either for all the souls in purgatory or for specific people that you have in mind. Tell us about this prayer. Uh, I know Father Lump mentioned it again this morning at uh, 6.30 a.m. Mass uh, for her feast day. And um, it's uh, there's, I, I would say, pious tradition around the prayer and, you know, souls being released from purgatory. One, I mean, Father kind of went into it a little bit. He says, it doesn't really matter whether it's one or many or a thousand. That's immaterial. But even if it's one, it's worth reciting the prayer. Mm-hmm. But, um, again, I attribute the praying of that prayer during the consecration of the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, I would have never done that any other time, but uh, through the course of, of delving into this devotion, it, somewhere along the way, I started praying that prayer during the consecration of the Mass. I'm sure it's on the internet. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah, you can find that uh, at uh, com. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So, uh, well, let's, let's pray it. Uh, uh, the prayer of St. Gertrude, Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses set throughout the world today, for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home, and within my family. Amen. 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 Like you said, Bill, whether it was one or a thousand, it's still a soul, so it's worth praying it. Mm -hmm. But our Lord does promise that if we pray this, is a thousand souls will be released, right? Well, that's the pious tradition, I believe. I don't yeah. know that okay. we will ever know that. <laughs> sure. And mm-hmm. it's all private revelations. I mean, it's like it's, you know, uh, we, we can't, it's, like it, it's okay to believe it, but it's not something that our our salvation is dependent upon. Mm, right, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I mean, the, the the tradition is just so important um, because let's face it, you know, the, the whole, um, whole end of the day is we're all going to to be in that state we're all going to be judged we're all going to have our turn at the judgment seat and as bill said more likely than not we're all going to spend at least some time in purgatory so having other people praying for for me once i pass i mean that's hugely important and uh, i don't think there's anyone that wouldn't want someone still praying for them after they pass and just, you know, uh, being in the sorry state of, oh, well, he's already in heaven or she's already in heaven, <laughs> as Bill said. Well, and, and St. Monica requested of her son, St. Augustine, yes. just remember me at the altar. Yeah. Mm. I remember uh, Father Benedict Groeschel saying that over and over again, pray for me, you know, pray for me, <laughs> don't, don't forget me, you know, uh, you know, pray, 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 pray. Um, that's a beautiful thing. When, when you pray for your departed loved ones, Bill, do you do you remember them by name? I mean, those that are that are closest to you. I have a litany that I recite at every mass. Yes, yeah. it takes about ten minutes. That's so good. I mean, that's such a great reminder. Uh, could be because rarely do I do that. Uh, you know, we we pray for the departed members of the Orsborn and Hensler mm-hmm. family, which is my wife's family. Um, but I, I guess as I remember 
my parents, my grandparents, you know, cousins, you know, that have passed, I'll, I'll think of their name, but to take that extra step at mass and actually say their names again, it, it, it's just so beautiful to go and write them down in that book, but then just to utter their name, right? that their name is remembered. Something that a, a friend taught me that I thought was so insightful, because a lot of times we have the problem of just, oh, I just forget. That's a, something I would like to do, but I just forget. Um, and my friend had shared with me what she likes to do, either if it's a certain chore that she does every day, um, something tactile to connect the prayer to. Mm. Like, for instance, oh, I know this person's favorite color was purple, whatever it is. Anytime I see the color purple, I'm going to make sure to pray for them. Or anytime I do this particular activity, that's going to remind me to pray for them. And I think sometimes connecting it to something that we do in our daily life or... That's awesome. It, it could help us spark yeah. that memory of, oh yeah, I want to pray for this person. So just a practical idea there. <laughs> yeah. Well, when those people, when those when those people who have passed away pop into your head mm -hmm. at some random moment during the day. It's not random. It's not random. <laughs> not random. <laughs> I've learned that right. over, by experience. You know, so. and, and it's just a, a short prayer. Eternal mm -hmm. rest grant unto them, O Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, perpetual light shine upon them. I mean, just whenever you think of those deceased people, I like, and me personally, whenever I'm driving uh, down the highway um, and I pass by a cemetery. Amen. You know, as I make the sign of the cross. And, and, and recite Pray that, that short prayer. little prayer. Yeah. Um, it's something, it's so easy to do just when you have those little moments of, of something that just sparks your memory of somebody, uh, to just, you know, to, just do that so that they're remembered. Yeah. And if you work downtown, you drive three fifteen, you pass a cemetery <laughs> every day off of Akron. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, that, that's that. Um, thank you for, for saying that because that's just another way attentiveness is, has been a recurring topic here in the cafe mm -hmm. and that's and that's another way that we can be uh attentive uh to god's action yeah. and and to uh yeah just to the things that we should be attentive to yeah so. and, um yeah it's like i know, know we're closing up here but there's there's a, a quote from a uh, french nun mystic named uh, marie latoste if i pronounce that correctly i don't know um but it's a great reminder. She says, you can do nothing more acceptable to God or profitable to yourself than to pray for the holy souls, for they will be mindful of your favors in heaven and will pray unceasingly for you, that you may become holier in life and be freed from purgatory soon after your death. Amen. Amen. That, that is wonderful. Mike Lamort and Bill Hinger, thanks for being with us here in the cafe this morning. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to be back with Father Daniel Bowen and Dr. Perry Cahal, and we're going to unwrap Veritatis Splendor by St. John Paul II, the Great. The Great. Uh, which uh, this is a, the 30th anniversary of this wonderful document. So be sure to join us tomorrow morning. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Pray today for those souls in purgatory. And we'll talk with you again tomorrow morning. <laughs>